We are in what Pastor Bill, our lead pastor, has dubbed the Summer of Miracles. So as you walked into church this morning, on the left wall, main entrance, you'll see we've just started posting some of the things that God's already been doing this summer. We've seen people physically healed. We've seen actually a lot of financial breakthroughs already this summer. And we've seen some pretty neat stuff on the inside of people and relationships that have turned around. And we're just going to keep pursuing and stepping into this summer of miracles. So my question for you this morning is this. Right now, here today, where do you find yourself? Where do you find yourself this morning? When you look at your life, what area would you say, right here, I need a miracle in this situation? Where is that one area of your life where you just say, God, this morning, if there's one thing I could ask, it would be that you just do a miracle here. And just think about it for you. Where do you find yourself this morning? Now, the reason why I'm asking that is because this morning, I really believe that God wants to do a miracle not for other people that we can read about, but he actually wants to do a miracle in you. He wants to do a miracle in you. So we're going to get to some scripture. You can turn or click in your Bibles to um, Ezekiel chapter 37. A little context on this scripture before we jump in. At this point, the nation of Israel is effectively split in half. Half of the people are still living in the land that God promised them. And the other half have actually already been taken. They were conquered by Babylon. And half have been taken and are living in captivity and exile in Babylon. So you have two major prophets speaking. You can read both of their writings. The first is Jeremiah, and he's still in Israel, and he's preaching to the people there. The second major prophet is Ezekiel, and he's actually the, the person who's sharing the word, and he's the prophet to the people in Babylon that are, are in exile. So this is, uh, as we're going to read, it's an incredibly hopeless time for the nation of Israel. So to put it in, into perspective for you, imagine that right now, armed men walk into this church, take you, strip you of any valuables, take your house keys, and basically rip you from where you are and your family and everything that you know and take you to some foreign nation far away. And there's literally zero hope that you'll ever see anyone that you love again anyone that you care about, and there's no hope of return. That's a pretty low spot, and that's what the Israelites are facing. So here we go. We're going to read starting in verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 37. 
And I really encourage you as we read this, it's such a brilliantly visual chapter. So I'm not going to read it overly fast, but I want you to get the picture. See it in your head. Don't tune out. Don't start thinking about the mini donuts or our pancake breakfast tomorrow. Just focus in. And, and even before I get to what I believe God's put on my heart, I believe God just speaks when we start opening and engaging with the Word of God. So here we go. Verse 1. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 7. So I spoke the message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. It's a pretty amazing miracle and a pretty amazing picture if it just stopped there. But we keep going. Verse 9. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded. And breath came into their bodies they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Verse 11, then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. 
Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. So listen, we read 14 verses, but I hope already on the inside of you, there's a picture of hope. If you've come in hopeless, I hope already God's given you a picture of what he wants to do this morning. So this is a unique story in that Ezekiel doesn't say that he just had a vision of dry bones, but it actually says that he was carried away to a valley of dry bones. So it begs the question, so was he literally in a valley of dry bones, or was it a prophetic picture of what he was seeing? Was he actually there? You can debate it. You can study up on it. But that's not actually where we need to get hung up in this Scripture. The reason that the Spirit of God carries him away to this valley of dry bones and then he sees them rise up as he speaks is because God wanted to give him a picture of what he wanted to do in the nation of Israel. Where hope had been lost, he wanted to come in and have Ezekiel be his voice saying, hey, it's not over. There's hope. There's life coming. So what's interesting is that this was originally intended for the Israelites, but it gives us a picture of what God still does today in the lives of people like me and of people like you. God hasn't changed. He's not thinking, well, I used to actually put life into people and make dead things live, but I don't do that anymore. The same God that we just read, this story is the same picture of what God wants to do in your heart and in your life. So, let me just touch on a few key elements, and then this morning we're just going to pray and uh, release miracles in this room. It's a summer of miracles. We've got to ask. We've got to believe. We've got to do something. I heard, I heard something recently where it's keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it regular. Is that right? Keep it up. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> okay. Three things I want to touch on from this story that give us a picture of how we actually see this miracle happen. The first is the word present. I asked you already uh, where you find yourself here this morning. Ezekiel, in, in our story, found himself in a valley of dry bones. That's literally where he was. So verse 1 and 2, it just says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. Now listen verse 2, how descriptive this gets. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. That means you couldn't see valley floor. There were so many bones. But they weren't just like, oh, there's some bones. It goes on to say they were completely dried out, like deader than dead. 
no hope for life, dusty, brittle, and lifeless. And this is where Ezekiel found himself. This was his reality. This was his present context. So for you here this morning, think about where you find yourself. You, you could be in a valley of, of dry bones in your relationships, in your family, in your finance, in health areas, in your position at work. It's, it's any number of different areas, but you might find yourself in a valley of dry bones. And the best thing that we can do is actually be real about what's happening in our worlds. It's, um, yeah, one of my favorite examples is the cashier at a grocery store. I always ask them how they're doing. Fine. Yeah, for sure. You're great. Now, if we can't be real and truthful about where we find ourselves today, how does the truth and how does the promise of God apply to something that we actually aren't starting off with a real foundation on? The best thing we can be is actually truthful and honest about where we find ourselves. Ezekiel, I'm in a valley of dry bones. This is where I am. This is the reality of my situation. Now, this might sound ridiculous, but we live in such a culture where we like to put up fronts. Oh, I'm good. And behind the scenes, you're falling completely apart. We don't like letting people in close enough to see our real story, to see the real us. But it's in that reality that's, that's the birthplace of the miraculous. So what's your current reality? How would you describe it honestly? Now, notice I just said describe it honestly. Don't describe it negatively. Our tendency is to go, yeah, it's hopeless. It's over. Forget it. Where maybe it's just like, you know what? I'm actually at $2,556 in debt, and I can't seem to overcome that amount of money. That's just where you are. But you're not making a commentary on it. You're not attaching a hopeless, a negative tag. This is just your base level. I'm sick with bronchitis. It's just clear. And that's the foundation. Now, why this matters um, is that people will often feel shame about their situation. That's why we don't like letting people in. But when I read through Scripture, the place where Jesus always found people was exactly where they were at. He didn't find people ever where they thought they should be. So Jesus always came into a situation and met people exactly where they were. So we can start putting up fronts, and we're saying, okay, Jesus, I just want you to see the nice me, the beautiful parts. And then we wonder why we actually don't have a close relationship with Jesus, and it's because we haven't let him in to the real parts. 
And if you're here and you're feeling shame about your situation, can I just lift that off this morning? Doesn't matter how you ended up there. Oh, but it was my own choices that brought me here. Okay. But that's not how Jesus looked at anyone. He said, listen, my grace is sufficient even in your weakness, even in the mess that you've made. That's how good he is. So if you're feeling shame, come on, let's lift that off today. Everyone has a past. Everyone has a history. And everyone has things that they would love to reset. But where are we today? And I know for me that some of the most powerful times that God ever met with me was in places of my lowest, darkest, driest places when there's nothing left and Jesus came and found me. Next thing is this. It's the word promise. The Israelites were feeling in a hopeless situation. It literally says that in verse 11. Hopeless. And I know for me, and maybe it's true for you, but life can have a way of grinding you down, wearing you out, constant pressure, constant tension, and very quickly your faith tank can be running on empty. So when you look at an impossible situation, you're not thinking, I can get out of this. You're thinking, all hope is gone. But, if you look at your current situation, um, what, do you, what do you think God's promise is over your situation? What does God say over your current reality? What's the promise of God over your life? In this chapter, what we read about in verse 4 to 6, God gives Ezekiel a promise to speak over this valley of dry bones. He says, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So regardless of what Ezekiel saw, a valley full of dry bones, hopeless, suddenly God says, but wait, I speak a better word. I speak a different word over this hopeless situation. Remember, they were dried out, bones everywhere. And what's the word of the Lord over that situation? He says, listen, they're not just going to be a nice skeletons that you can use in a doctor's office, put together. It's not just ordered. I'm going to actually take those bones and put life back in them, put muscles around them, put skin over them. And then even more so, I'm going to breathe life into them. And what was dead actually comes back to life. Is your situation more impossible than this situation? Is it? 
No, actually, is it? It's not. A valley of dry bones. And God says they can live. So what's his word over your situation? Is your situation impossible? Is it hopeless? My Bible says, no, it isn't. And it doesn't matter how bad it looks, how hopeless it seems. The word of God over your story and over your life is that there is hope. Period. So right now, if in your head you're going, um, but you don't know. No, there's no buts. It's not as bad as a valley of dry bones. It's just not. So no matter how broken, how beat up, how tragic it is, there's hope. So what's God's promise over your situation? There's a bunch of people here. And there's a bunch of promises that I read about all the time in this book. And the more that you explore this, the more you begin to get an understanding of how God views you and of how God views your future. So when we engage with Scripture, all of a sudden we begin to go, hold on, where I'm living is actually less than what God has promised. Hold on. How can we have sickness over here when God's promise is health? How can we have lack over here when God's promise is that he takes two fishes and five loaves and he multiplies them to feed multitudes? The more that we engage with this word, the more we begin to understand how to pray the promises of God and and that's really where power comes in prayer when it's not just, well, God, I'd kind of like this to happen, but when we actually say, God, this is what you said. This is who you are. And we just say, God, come and be who you are. So the, one of the cool things that we even read just in this scripture is that um, Ezekiel wasn't in this valley of dry bones alone which is actually a, a promise that God gives us. Three times God talks about, hey, I promise that I will never leave you or forsake you. So right now in your valley of dry bones, if you're feeling that way, there's already a promise for you here this morning that God isn't distant. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't uh, left you. He's actually with you the same way he was with Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones. For me personally, uh, my favorite verse in all of Scripture is John 10.10, which says, The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But this is Jesus talking. He says, But I came that you might have life and life to the fullest. And that's what we see in this Scripture, right? It wasn't just, okay, we'll put some flesh on those bones. You're kind of alive. No, it's actually, I'm going to put my spirit in you, and it's going to be life to the fullest. So in every situation in my life, when I look at it, and it seems impossible, I go, is this falling under the category of life to the fullest? And if it's not, I have reason to begin to speak to that situation. Um, my dad's currently going through treatment for cancer. 
does cancer fall under the canopy and the banner of life to the fullest? No. It's not a trick question. I don't ask those. So when I begin to pray for my dad, I say, God, your promise is life. Cancer doesn't fall under that category, and I begin to prophesy and speak life over my dad's situation. Is he out of the woods? Test coming up. But as we've been praying, he's going through cancer treatments that should have horrible side effects, and there just isn't those side effects. We're seeing these little pockets of life all through the story where there should be death, and it's this constant reminder of the promise of God, even when my family's walking through a valley of dry bones. Listen, the promises of God, um, they aren't retroactive. They always start from today, right now. So if you live with regret, oh, if only God had met me here, hey, he's with you right here. And the promises apply moving forward. And it's easy for us to get hung up on things that we've lost or a lack or a deficit. Uh, there's a great preacher. Uh, you may have heard of him. His name is T.D. Jakes. And he says it's easy to focus on the seed that's lost, the seed that we don't have anymore, things that are gone. But he says if you focus on what you've lost, you forget about what God can do with the seed that's still in your hand. So it might seem the bottom of the barrel situation, but hey, even if you have one tiny seed, that's why Scripture talks about Faith like a mustard seed. It's so small. If you have even that much left, God goes, yep, that's enough. I can use it. And furthermore, even if you're like, I don't even have one seed. In, uh, in Romans, it talks about uh, Abraham being called the father of faith because he believed in a God that raises the dead back to life, and create something out of nothing. So even if you feel like you have nothing, God still goes, yep, I can use your nothing. And I can bring the miraculous through it. Okay. Last word is this. Prophesy. Or perhaps prophecy. Spelled similar. So listen, in your situation, what has God asked you to do? In this story, he says, Ezekiel, hey, hey, Ezekiel, prophesy to this situation. Speak the word that I'm going to give you over this situation. So what has God asked you to do? A summer of miracles requires that we're engaged with the process. If you pray for a financial breakthrough and God says, hey, yep, I hear that. There's a, a briefcase on your doorstep with $5 billion on it. But you won't actually get up off the couch, go to the door, open it, and pick up that briefcase. It just sits there. The promise is available, but it does actually call us to engage. And the cool thing with God is that he invites us to partner with him in what he's doing. 
That was the invitation for Ezekiel. He said, listen, I'm going to use you to bring transformation to Israel. I'm going to use you to restore hope. But it did require Ezekiel to step out and to do something. So what does he do? It says in verse 7, I spoke this message just as he told me. Then listen to this part. Suddenly, suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. The moment that he prophesied, all of a sudden it's like, it's getting louder. Bones are starting to shake. Stuff's starting to move. A little bit of dust from all the dry stuff on the bones is starting to flare up. But in the middle of him prophesying, things begin to shift as he stepped out in obedience. And it says, then as I watched muscles and flesh formed over the bones. That is a gnarly thing to see. We've got some nurses in our church. That would be a weird thing to watch. Just muscles reconnecting, tendons, ligaments reforming on a skeleton. Then all of a sudden, skin begins to wrap around that body. And it's kind of funny. <laughs> this is absolutely a sidetrack, completely. But I wonder if they came back in like better shape than before. Was it the same amount of skin for each person? I don't know. But he speaks firstly to these bones and sees them and then, and then he prophesies a second time. Which is kind of interesting. And that's when it talks about speaking to the wind and commanding breath from the four winds to come in to these bodies. He speaks it, and they rise up a great army. So what does this show us? It shows us that our words are incredibly powerful. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says that the power of life and death is in your tongue. So when I asked you earlier about your situation, where are you? And I said, hey, I asked you to be real, not negative. It's because that matters a lot. Yeah, this is just the way it's going to be. What did you just speak over your situation? Yeah, carry on. It's below the promise of God for my life, but have at her. How we speak, it might sound funny, but how we speak actually makes a big difference. The faith that's in us, what's in us comes out through our words. That's why God said to Ezekiel, speak, speak what I gave you. Prophesy over this situation. Now for you, there's not a person that cares more about your situation than you do. And that means that we should regularly be praying for our ourselves and speaking over our own situation. We don't just come to church and go, somebody else pray for this. Begin to speak to the impossibilities in your own world regularly. And don't take a false humility thing where it's like, no, I'm doing okay. Somebody else needs more prayer than me. 
pray for them too. It's not like you only have like oh, a limited amount of prayers I can pray. But actually begin to speak over your own life and don't speak the negative word. Notice the Spirit of the Lord didn't say Ezekiel prophesy and say, bones get even drier. Valley, oh, if we could increase the number of bones by 50%. He actually prophesied words of life. So what's interesting in here, too, is that he prophesies not just once but twice, which is kind of strange because it seems like the first one should have gotten the job done, shouldn't it? But it's interesting what happens in these two different prophetic words. The first we begin to see bones coming together. Everything that Ezekiel could see, he prophesied to. He prophesied to his present reality. Bones, everything's in disorder, come into order, is basically what he prays. Everything seems crazy and hopeless. It's all I can see but I'm going to command it actually to come to order. The second thing that he prays is the one that's really cool. He prays for the breath of God, prophesied of the four winds. Now, the word wind here is this word ruach, which actually in the original text doesn't just mean wind. It translates to spirit and spirit of God. So he wasn't just prophesying to an earthly thing that he could know. He actually, his second word was over the spiritual realm and the things that he couldn't see. He prophesied over the promise that God said, I will bring life back. So it tells us a few interesting things. When we're prophesying, when we're speaking to the situation, we speak over both the natural and the supernatural. There's things that we can see and there's things that we can't see. We prophesy over the present and the promise. And you see, actually, there's a story, uh, a chapter in the gospel story where Jesus first calms a storm. Then when they get to the shore, he casts out a demon from a person who's possessed. And when you begin to read these in commentaries, they say this is this picture of Jesus having authority over both the natural and the supernatural. So when we pray, we pray with faith and we speak to the things that we can see, but we also speak to the promise of God that maybe we're not seeing yet. And also, <laughs> he prayed it twice, spoke twice. That means that you don't just give up if you pray one time and you don't see an instant result. You don't give up if, oh, we got it halfway to the promise. Pray again. Engage. Push a second time. Um, David, I don't know if you can come to the keyboard. We just pray for David's knee to be fully healed and recovered in Jesus' name. But there's one verse that we didn't look at, look at from 
this chapter. We're going to look at the end of it next week. I know this has been very much focused on the me part. Next week, we're talking about the miracle that God wants to do through your life. But in this case, before uh, Ezekiel saw a nation transformed, God actually had to transform something in him. But the one verse that we haven't looked at from this scripture is verse 3. And it says, then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people? Now listen to Ezekiel's response because this is so clever and so perfectly human. He says, O sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. Perfect politician. I wouldn't say no, but is he fully saying yes? Not Really, he's kind of going, God, I'm going to defer to you on this. But look at the outcome that came from this level of commitment. So you might be here going, I don't have faith for a miracle this morning. Neither did Ezekiel. He came at it with such a low level of faith. He came at it with that nothing, and God said, I guess you didn't say a definitive no, so I'll take it as a yes. So for us, as we're going to come into to praying for miracles, you might feel like you have no faith. But even in a spot like this, your prayer might just be, God, um, I can't see it all, but I trust you. And that's enough faith for God to move. So um, why don't you stand with me?